Hello and welcome to Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. I'm Marianne Clements and this podcast is part of an initiative I'm working on with Melissa Pitotti, which is being hosted by the CHS Alliance. Our work looks at the intersections between mental health, people management and organisational culture in aid and development organisations. And to do that, we use the lens of care and compassion. Today, I'm talking with Gemma Holdy, who's a wellbeing advisor and facilitator for aid sector professionals and changemakers. In our conversation, we talk about Gemma's research into wellbeing in the sector and what she learned from it about wellbeing in humanitarian organisations and how the topic of well-being intersects with race, power and privilege. So hi, um, welcome to the podcast and today I'm with Gemma Holdy. She's a writer, facilitator and advisor on uh, well-being in the aid sector and I think other things as well really but she's going to tell us a bit about herself and yeah introduce us a bit to her work. Hi, Marianne. Hi. Nice to be here. Nice to see you again and be with you again. Do you want to say a bit about how you got interested in well-being in the aid sector more broadly? What your journey, your like your personal journey with that's been? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I've been working in the aid sector for over fifteen years. Um, mainly with um, mainly on human rights and humanitarian programs and largely in East Africa and uh, in Palestine. And I guess uh, I had my own kind of mental health um, issues around um, different experiences. Um, And particularly on the back of working in Palestine, I came out of that sort of really seeing how um there's a lot that we take on uh in the sector without really uh processing and without looking after ourselves um and at a time when i was kind of having to really take a step back to question whether i wanted to stay in this kind of work and um what it was the impact it was having on me in terms of my mental and emotional health particularly that was when I really started questioning okay so why why is it that so many of us are going through uh, what we might call burnout or trauma or any other sort of um, you know difficult um, emotional challenges and yet it's not really being paid sufficient attention to by our organizations so that then led on a path of um exploring this through a phd so i decided to study a phd um at the university of sussex which was examining stress um in the aid sector i did my research in kenya i spent a year in kenya where i've I've lived and i've worked before uh speaking to international and national staff from different international NGOs and aid agencies about their experiences. Um, And that really gave me a much more um, nuanced understanding of what was going on and um, made me realize that, okay, this is a problem in the sector. Um, stress, mental health problems, burnout uh, is is pretty bad and pretty common. Mm. 
but how we speak about those things, how we experience them, how we're affected by them really varies according to who we are and um, who we are in that organization, who we are kind of in our own societies, how we understand mental health in our societies, um, and also kind of the organizational culture that we, that we work in and how that is so much influencing our ability to speak up about what's going on for us on a personal level when we're doing this work. So that's really kind of um, what's led me to this point now, <clears throat> which is really looking at, um, really trying to support different organisations um, to look at mental health, but to see it in a, in a kind of lens of diversity and difference um understanding that we do have inequalities within our sector within our organizations that affect um our mental health and affect our well-being in different ways and so we have to kind of look at this in a more um dynamic way in order to really um change and um challenge these problems that we have um so that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Um, along with also trying to write a book that draws on the thesis, my doctoral thesis as well. Right, and I wanted we wanted to talk a bit about that. So I know that um, yeah, it, 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 a thesis is always a big undertaking, and now writing a book on the back of it is something else. And it would be great to hear a bit about how your thinking is evolving from the thesis and into the book and how you're how you're framing framing some of your your thinking yeah absolutely so um so yeah i mean as as probably most people know a, a doctoral thesis or or any kind of um postgraduate thesis is very academic um and it's very kind of theory based um and so that in itself makes it quite quite dense but but some of the main points in the thesis were still I feel really relevant to sort of bring over um, for the purposes of a book that could actually have practical value for for the aid uh, and the aid and development sector um, so really looking at how how can this book what I'm writing now be more like a kind of self-help for the sector so that we can actually reflect on these problems that we face um, and work together on finding um, solutions or different ways of, of working together um, that, that change, change this dynamic, this organizational culture that's sort of pushing hard all the time and expecting us to be high achievers and high productivity and always being the best at everything. Um, so one of the concepts that I draw on um, and which you and I have discussed before in my thesis um, is the idea of the perfect humanitarian. And um, this really is an idea around kind of what's expected of us as aid workers in terms of mobility, of being available to sort of travel from one emergency to another, this applies particularly in the humanitarian sector, but I think to a certain degree also, uh, certain degree also in the development sector. 
um, yeah, the, the sort of availability for travel, the availability to live in you know, quite isolated, remote conditions, often on your own, without your family, without your partner. This kind of very macho environment where it's all about kind of what crises that you've been at the centre at and how, how much you've kind of been able to stay the course. Yeah. Um, and how this kind of shows up all the time in the sector and really highlights how the job is often really better place for some people than others and ignores some of the struggles that each of us may have in, in attaining those sorts of positions and, career, and progressing up the career ladder. So a lot of what I'm trying to look at now is how international staff have a particular experience of this if they're from the global north um, and they've got passports that can help them travel from one place to another much more easily mm -hmm. than a lot of people living in the global south who don't have quite the same privileges and benefits as someone like someone like me um, and also just um, if you're a national uh, mem a national staff member um, in say Kenya where I did my research the struggles the particular struggles that people face in terms of living apart from their families in sort of isolated conditions only being able to see them every couple of months for their R&R having to travel a long way to get there often by road to see them um, the particular struggles for women as well, women in the field, how much are these actually paid attention to again in terms of, um, as an example, menstruation, like how, how much uh, this is even acknowledged, the sort of struggles that we may go through in the field, in those field conditions, um, particularly in a very masculine environment uh, where it's often men that are doing the work in the humanitarian realm because they are more available to do it yeah. um it's easier for them um so those are the sorts of kind of nuances i'm drawing out to say to say that perfectionism in the humanitarian sector is a very gendered thing it's also yeah. a very racialized thing yeah. um it's it's easier for some to be that perfect humanitarian than it is for others and what does this say about our realities and the way that we live? Um, and in our broader society, what does it say about just kind of pushing on ahead, pushing ourselves further all the time um, to reach particular goals um, and not show our emotions? Um, and I really, I'm trying to argue that this isn't helpful for us and we need a new way of actually working together where perhaps vulnerability is valued more um, and we can be more open about what's really going on for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's those are such wise thoughts. And I think in your linking of that up also with work on racial justice, um, I'm interested in how you map those things together. Um, the, that I think certainly in my work on that, I often come up against in myself and in other people, this idea that I must get things right. Or I, you know, I must, um, I must do the right thing. And I think the idea of bringing vulnerability into that conversation sort of opens up that the whole conversation of what, what is it to make mistakes and 
and and and and and try to uh, be accountable for them, you know, and and take responsibility for them in in some kind of way. So I'm interested in how your thinking's evolving around that. Yeah, and of course this this discussion is just so present right now. I yeah. mean, it's not that it's. Um, not been there all along but I think on the back of the protests that have been happening um, on racial injustice um, particularly in the US and the UK it's brought it to the forefront um, which is a positive thing um, supposedly more white people are waking up to this when they, they should have been doing this ages ago but it brings with it um, a challenge and I guess I can talk from my position as um as a white middle class woman yeah um i feel that there is again this element of perfectionism that comes with that position um and i, I know from my own from my own upbringing from the kind of environments that i grew up in a lot of the time it's about people pleasing and it's about keeping all your emotions inside, locking them all up and staying calm and not offending anyone, not getting too angry, not getting too emotional. Um, and that's, that's the way a lot of us live all the time. Um, we, we keep everything inside because, because we don't want to offend anyone and we don't want to cause a scene. Um, and yet by doing that, we're kind of feeding into um, this silencing around inequalities um, and this silencing around our own privileges um, and how issues like um, racism show up in our lives. So I guess my learning recently around this, um, and I've, I've really sort of been doing quite a lot of reflection on this and, and a lot of group work as well over the years around um, particularly around racial injustice um, but also gender inequality is we have to be willing to get things wrong and we have to um, speak up and know that sometimes we're going to offend somebody um, and it's going to may cause an argument or we may get hurt as well um i think that's the other important component of this is that there is there is a lot of emotion and there's a lot of hurt within these discussions um but this is also when we're talking about racial injustice this is the experience of people of color all the time mm -hmm. um and we've got to recognize that like how we are also contributing towards that hurt all the time so are we willing to also open ourselves up to perhaps our feelings being hurt mm. um because that that is part of the work um and again i think this is a societal thing is that we we don't want to lean too far into our shadows um, you know, society tells us that it's all about happiness and it's all about fulfilling your dreams and getting on and um, always being upbeat about everything all the time. And it's just not realistic. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, this is the opportunity now. And I think also COVID-19 lockdown has also been bringing us this opportunity to actually pause, slow down, 
be with some of the stuff that we we don't really like maybe about ourselves about the society we live in about our contribution to it and see if we're willing to actually speak and act from a different place within ourselves that's not the one that's armoring up and is not the one that's all kind of shrinking away and being too fearful fearful to say anything so I guess that's that's what I'm exploring now in the context of of what's happening with um, the racial injustice discussions but also this is a discussion for our sector for the organizations that we work in if we really want to talk about self-care and collective care and collective well-being in the sector yeah and I really like that distinction you make between um armoring up or or uh I've forgotten the other word you used but you away thinking <laughs> away yeah yeah I really like that metaphor because I think the place in between is a place that um isn't really talked about in our sector for sure you know a place in between that where which I think maybe is what you're calling to in this idea of the vulnerable humanitarian where it's like I'm real I'm gonna get it wrong I'm gonna try anyway and you know I'm gonna try and do better next time and I'm vulnerable and you know all of that like yeah. it's basically our, it's something about the wholeness of ourselves where yeah. you know and I think you know that's at the heart of 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 all these discussions for me in a way Absolutely. And I think that looks different for different people, right, as well. So, you know, uh, what what constitutes sort of vulnerability and having a difficult conversation for me is going to look very different for um, somebody else, maybe um, a black person or an Asian woman or or um, someone from the LGBTI community. Like we're all going to have different struggles with this but the point is to to acknowledge them and and try um because that that's where we also see the differences as much as as kind of what connects us in our vulnerability there's also there are differences so <clears throat> with the book i'm writing now so yeah, as you said it's, it's going to be called the vulnerable humanitarian and it's really looking at you know what if we what if we tried to be more open about what was going on for us and what if we explored our ways of working in a different way where conversations about how we're feeling or about how we're perhaps reimagining aid work in a different way how those are just as important as pushing on ahead and achieving the targets and and all of the things within the log frame <laughs> of the work that we're doing really recognizing the value of giving space to difficult conversations um, where we actually are understanding each other a little bit more and where and where we're all at understanding our humanity and our humanness because i think that gets lost in this in this um, very kind of structured systematic way of working within the aid sector which is is all about pushing on ahead and not showing your emotions and it's all about uh, quantifiable targets which again is is really going away from the human experience which which can't be measured in quite the same way 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and and it, I think interesting for people listening of the how you bring um, these ideas into work with people in in the workplace in the humanitarian sector um, and 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 bring them into your work on well-being and and care in that context. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel like for me this has been it's really an evolving process. Um, so you know i feel i also look at things often like pre covid-19 and not we're not even in post covid-19 at the moment but like how did i think about things before and like how has that evolved in light of what's been going on so you know i feel um it's it's very easy to in the midst of of what's going on now to sort of come forward with a whole list of well-being exercises to you know deal with your anxiety or whatever um and that's all very well and good um and some people do need that and i recognize that but i also feel that what's equally important is actually just giving the space for people to talk about what's what's happening for them you know we have so many people um struggling with the realities of COVID-19 right now in terms of perhaps they're juggling um, looking after their families with also trying to work and everything going on, on underneath one roof um, but also perhaps their own family members actually are affected um, we know of course key workers have their own struggles as well right now and just recognizing that vulnerability in itself i think is important it's important for us as aid workers as development workers because we often are seeing ourselves unconsciously perhaps but nevertheless as the savior the helper the person that's there to help the other person and that over the years has created this power dynamic between us and the communities that we are supporting where we are the ones that that come in with the answers and yet what COVID-19 is showing us is that none of us have the answers and all of us are vulnerable it's not just this bunch of people out there that we fly over if we're you know from Europe or America or whatever we fly over to help it's happening right here in our neighborhoods so coming back to your question like how to actually bring this into the work that we do is to really go into how we ourselves are also vulnerable um we're not unaffected by what is going on around us and i think allowing a space for that reflection also helps us connect better with the people that we're assisting because there's no longer this huge kind of divide between us and them mm. somehow actually we're all in it together even though i'll definitely say at the same time there are huge differences um but i i feel that we have to recognize that within ourselves our own fears our own anxieties our own hopes our own dreams whatever those things are in order that we can actually understand other people a little bit better and, and support them better. So in the workshops that I've been running, I've been really trying to provide that space mm -hmm. by 
using different kind of exercises that get people going into their bodies, going into, into their emotions and, and being with those. Um, and I feel it's, it's about kind of not necessarily coming in with a, a structure, mm -hmm. um, but actually kind of giving a space for things to, to evolve. Um, and, and that can look different according to who it is I'm working with. But I think, you know, using, using exercises that, um, encourage those sorts of conversations that are coming i guess more from the heart than the head mm. um and also encouraging different forms of expression so sometimes it's about just kind of exploring what's around us what's out in nature what can nature tell us about yeah. what's happening for us right now or what what's 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 inspiring us you know again COVID-19 is is forcing us to slow down and to pause and to see what's out there and to notice things more mm -hmm. to notice the beauty of the nature around us that we often aren't paying attention to so how are these things how might they help us in the work that we do in terms of slowing down and being with you know being with ourselves and being with our colleagues and being with the communities that we support as well great thanks Gemma. and where can people find you if they'd like to find out more about your work um yeah um well i um i have a website <laughs> um so yeah, my website, uh, it includes information about the work that I do um, as advisory services, as um, ongoing research as well. I can, it's one component is to continue researching what we understand about um, stress, mental health, well-being within organizations in order to actually have better interventions. Mm -hmm um so so i on the website is information about that and about the workshops that i run um i'm also training as a as a yoga instructor um so there's information there about that um and also i have a blog so that's on the website as well where i've been writing i guess i've been writing recently about kind of you know what what covid19 and lockdown can teach us personally, um, but also collectively um, about the work that we do and um, how we might want to do things differently. Um, and also reflecting a bit on um, issues around white privilege and, and what we can do <laughs> with our white privilege um, in terms of responding constructively uh, in light of the racial injustice um, so that we're not feeling silenced and we're not feeling shamed um what are some actions that we can take right now so that we can be fully um present uh with what's happening and i'm able to give some kind of support and solidarity mm. so i've been writing about that there also on twitter as well um and i'm occasionally um writing on other platforms as well um, and also on linkedin so so we should give your handles or your website thing. Uh, is, is it gemmaholdy.com? Uh, yep. So my website's gemmaholdy.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is aid soul search. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, those are the main yeah. places to find me really. Yeah. 
yeah thank you so much Gemma I think that your work really resonates with um with our initiative um with with the um, caring and compassionate aid organizations initiative because it really gets to the heart of well-being not just being um a question of providing service but actually really looking at how our organizations run and and what actually the heart of the work we do is so thanks so much for sharing something about your work and i hope people go and check out more about you afterwards thank you marianne really good to speak to you again you're welcome you've been listening to marianne clements in conversation with Gemma holding and this is embodying change a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. The show was edited by Ziada Abade. If you enjoyed this show, please do share it. And if you're an Apple podcast user and are listening there, please do leave us a review as it helps others to find our show. We'll be back soon with another show exploring how we can cultivate care and compassion in aid and development.